Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we are privileged to study your word. We pray that you would be with us, give us insight, give us open hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going through um, the epistles. Wade started it last week. Um, the epistles make up a large majority of the New Testament. 21 of the 27 New Testament books are letters. Um, um, they're one of the first documents in the New Testament. Um, we often are a little bit fooled because we think, oh, the Gospels, which chronologically fall before the epistles, they're the first accounts. But actually, the gospel, four Gospels are at the very end in terms of time when they were written. The very first uh, documents are the New Testament letters. And they're basically pastoral, majority of them were written by the Apostle Paul, and they're basically pastoral responses to specific problems in the church. Um, it's not like Paul sat down and said, hey, I'm going to write a treatise on Christianity. But he was always responding practical, to practical questions of crises and hap- what's, what was going on in the church. And it's a little bit challenging to read the epistles because it's like listening to one half of a phone call. Because there's a dialogue, right? So a lot of times churches would send messages to Paul asking him questions, or Paul would get reports about what's going on in the church, difficulties and challenges. And so he would write a response, and you would see a little bit of what Paul would, of Paul implying what's going on. He would be like, you asked about this, or this is going on. But a lot of times he doesn't. And so you're listening to one half of the conversation, so that makes it a bit of a challenge. And then the other challenge, I think, is applying the original context of the first century situation. So a lot of times they had problems that were unique to the first century, right? Um, that doesn't necessarily apply to the, to, the, to the modern era, but there it is in the Bible, right? For us, for our edification. And therefore, why did God put it there? And so we need to apply and draw out these principles and then apply them to us, right? Um, so that's my introduction to the epistles. Very quick, let's just jump in. First Thessalonians. Um, both First and Second Thessalonians, um, you often... The church doesn't study it too much, and for a good reason, because it has to do with the second coming of Jesus, right? That's uh, essentially what Paul is talking about through both letters. Um, so this is great. Today we get a very brief introduction into eschatology, right? What is eschatology? It's the study of last things. And, and so we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus. Why do we call it second coming? Because he came the first time, right? Um, in Bethlehem, and then Jesus says, I will come again, I will return, right? And the Bible says that when he returns, he will usher in new creation, right? Um, we see this vision at the very end of Revelation, Revelation twenty twenty one, um, the new heavens and the new earth, right? And so this is very, very important because the way I was taught eschatology, right, how things end, is that um, we have here life on earth, and then when we die, we go to heaven, right? This probably sounds somewhat familiar to you. And that's not the eschatology that the Bible gives us. Because if you look at the, the Bible, what the Bible gives us, it doesn't say when Jesus returns, heaven happens. It says when Jesus returns, so here's earth. And then what will happen? There will be a new earth. Right? That the world will be made anew, renewed, restored, um, made beautiful again, right? And if we understand this, um, well, let me just say, let me just stick with this, right? I remember when I was first taught this, or when I first uh, began to, and by the way, this is not like some new weird view. This is the classic. 
Christian view that has been always taught in the creeds, in the confessions. This is the classic view. This view is a sort of like, it began in the 19th century in America, right? And this is the view that I grew up with. And when I heard this view, I was like, oh. <laughs> so like, we're going to be on earth again and I felt a little bit disappointed because I kind of had this vision that when we die we go to heaven right and and heaven my imagination of heaven was basically informed by my teen years I thought it was like the holodeck right do you guys know what the holodeck is no no one knows the holodeck does anyone know what I'm even referring to Yes! Beyond our years. Have you guys ever seen Star Trek Next Generation? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Gail. <laughs> so the holodeck is this wondrous place on the Enterprise where you can go in and you can create fantasy worlds, right? And you get to experience like anything you want. And I thought, wow, I'm going to be on the hot, the heaven is a, ho a giant holodeck. I'm going to like ride on dinosaurs, I'm going to like, you know, fight, you know, in battles and just explore space and fly around. And I think to the degree that we're disappointed in the vision of the new earth is because our vision of heaven is essentially just a, a, a hedonistic amusement park, right? Whereas the vision that the Bible gives us has to do with, with life right now the fact that the earth that we know it, life as we know it, is broken. There's injustice. There's weeping and sadness, sorrow. And what God is saying is, I'm going to undo all the sadness and make everything new and beautiful and glorious again. And you might say, well, where's heaven in all of this? Well, what happens is, life on earth, when we die, we do go to heaven. Jesus talks about this. The, Bible, the New Testament talks about this. But heaven is a holding ground. We're with Jesus in heaven. Heaven, what is heaven? Heaven is not in the clouds. Heaven is the realm of God, right? We're with God. We're with Jesus. But we're all waiting for this to happen. And so then heaven and earth will merge. That's what um, uh, Revelation 20, 21 is talking about, right? I saw uh, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, down to earth. Heaven and earth will merge. God will be with us in this earth. And earth will be made anew and, and backed to what it was supposed to be, what, the way it was always supposed to be. It'll be glorious. Does that make sense? And when we understand this eschatology, we understand that there's two aspects to it, right? There's, there's a continuity, and then there's discontinuity, right? And what do I mean by that? Continuity means there will be things that are on earth right now that carry over and there will be discontinuity. There are things that are on earth that will be destroyed or set right and will not carry over. And maybe a, a better way to think of it is right now we're living in sinful creation, sinful, fallen, corrupt creation. But one day we will have new creation. Right? So the fact that this material world, this life as we know it, our bodies, that's the continuity. And then there's this continuity. The sinfulness, the evil, the brokenness will be made anew and restored. Does that make sense? So does everyone understand the basic eschatology? One of these days, I've been vowing this, I'm going to do like a five-part series on eschatology. And then I'll get into much more in depth all the scriptural texts. 
But this is the basic eschatology that the Bible gives us. This is not disputed by anyone. This is taught by ignorance. Nobody holds against this view. Nobody disputes it. There are, there are various eschatological views. It has to do with the timing of things, but no one disputes this, just to make things clear. I'm not teaching you some weirdness. Yes? Um, if the first view was kind of uh, formulated in the early 1900s, is, like, where did that kind of come from or come about? Is it we don't like, I, I think it has to do with, um, I think there are several trends. We don't like God. So this is a godless heaven, right? Um, this is the this is the this is parodied by the Simpsons all the time, by the way, right? Um, I mean, if there is God, he's walking around in these giant like Roman sandals with toga, right? Um, and we're just up there in harps and so forth. Um, the other aspect is that there is a disparaging of this physical world, right? And and if you read the epistles, especially if you read the end of the Gospels, the physical world is not bad. It's, it's good and it's renewed. Jesus doesn't come back as a ghost. He comes back with a flesh and bo- a blood body, right? So why, why do we kind of migrate to this view? A lot of it is absolute biblical illiteracy in people. A lot of it is we just don't like this idea of new earth. You know, we want the holodeck vision of heaven. I mean, I'm not sure. I, 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 to be honest... I'm not sure what, what happened, why that happened. Yeah, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts? Because well, you were taught this, right, yeah. growing up. Well, I, I was taught this growing up. And then coming to your, yeah, I, I know you touched on this in Before, uh, yeah. Sunday schools prior. But I was just wondering like, if maybe the first few is kind of like, uh, maybe like one or two thirds of what the second view is. Like, yes. They're always kind of like focusing, okay, we're here on earth, but then the next stage is heaven. Right. And then, As if yeah. heaven is the eternal reality. Right, right, right. Heaven is just the holding ground for the true eternal reality, mm-hmm. which is new earth. So, if we understand this, right, continuity, discontinuity, I think it completely changes the way we look at this life. Because this view has what? Con- only discontinuity. Is there anything co- that transfers over other than our souls? No. So there's no continuity, only discontinuity. But once you understand there's continuity, what does that mean? And once we know that this is the goal, which is what? Injustice, evil, weeping, all of that, undone, every sadness made untrue, then this life, you know, people say, why are we rearranging the chairs on the, on the Titanic when the ship is going down? And the answer is the ship's not going down. Jesus is going to come back and make the ship beautiful and good again. And therefore, are we like the orchestra playing on the Titanic? It's all meaningless and it's all gonna go down? No, everything we do, every endeavor, every effort has meaning and value because we anticipate we're moving towards new creation. Even now, we're going there. We'll never get there until King Jesus comes back, the King returns, but we're moving. And in the church, we experience new creation already. So there's like a little drop of new creation right now in every Christian in the church and we're spreading out throughout the world. One day King Jesus will come back, right? So so it avoids two extremes. This world, I put it there, this world is all there is. There is no next world. Um, um, That's kind of this view, right? Um, And and, uh, that's deeply flawed. And then there's another view. This world doesn't matter, only the next. 
right? Um, oh, sorry. This world is all there is. There is no next world. That's secularism. That's that. If you if you're irreligious, right? You say this world. So I have to live for this world. We have to make. You know. Um, uh, I recently was listening to a podcast where Bill Gates was saying the hope of humanity is interstellar uh, travel. <laughs> Why does he say that? Because he thinks one day humanity could destroy Earth. So the only way humanity can survive is if we colonize space. That's his eschatology, right? Because <laughs> this world is all there is. There is no new creation. There's no hope. This is all we got. We better, we better reproduce and colonize ourselves on multiple planets or else humanity will, will be wiped out. That's a terrible eschatology. Your eschatological hope is that we have interstellar space, but we have a greater, better hope. And also, this world doesn't matter, only the next. That's sort of like the, this Christian view, which is, why do I even care? Just relax. You know, just, I don't care about the world. I'm just waiting for heaven. No, how can you say that? You have to care about this world. All right, so I spent forever on that. We'll move faster from this point forward. Uh, the next point, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's from First Thessalonians. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus returns, we won't know it until it, it, it happens and it'll come upon us without warning. And therefore, what does that mean? It means we need to live every day in anticipation and in expectation of Jesus coming back. Which means what? Every day we're living for a new earth. Right? Like, when you, know that when, when you know that your master is coming back, you live as if the master is already here, because any moment he could show up, right? Um, so how do we live in light of Jesus' return? Uh, there are four bullet points I hear, put here. Holiness. Why should we live for holiness now when everything will be forgiven and made up and we'll just go to heaven and we'll be holy in heaven? No, because, again, the new creation will be holy, so we need to live in anticipation of that. Um, Diligence, work with your hands, be dependent on no one. Right? We should strive with all our might. Courage, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Um, why should we have courage? Because um, when we're going through suffering, when we're going through persecution, that's the old sinful creation bearing down. And we should not be afraid because Jesus will return. One day the king will come back. Um, hope, right? you may not grieve as others do who do not have no hope. We have this hope. So, Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the most famous passage in the Thessalonian epistles. This is um, um, uh, a very famous passage, so let me just read it to you. Actually, let me have Carmen read it, and I will interrupt you frequently, okay? <laughs> For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord... Okay, so who are the alive, right? Who, who is this we who are alive? I know this, you're probably saying, it's not obvious. So, alive are what? In our body. Yeah, so people, exactly. People alive now. Okay, that, that's us. Okay, keep going. Um, will not... Oh, uh, who are left until the coming of the Lord, right? So that word coming is a very famous Greek word. Parousia. It means return. Actually, it means triumphant. Return of the king. Okay? So, it says coming, but it's actually a very technical word in the Greek. When Roman emperors or Roman generals would go out and battle, and if they won, they would ride back in victory, in triumph, and they would come back into the city. And so that's the word parousia. It means appearing or appearance. So keep going. 
so we're so we're so we're alive now and we're waiting for this we're waiting for the king to come back keep going Will not proceed. Will not proceed those who have fallen asleep. Okay, so, who are the people asleep? The one who died physically. Very good. So, people who are dead. But specifically dead in Christ, meaning they're believers. Right? And it's because... And so, why use this euphemistic... Is it just euphemism? Is it because they look like they're asleep? No. Because what happens to people who are asleep? They'll wake up. They wake up. Which means what? Death is not permanent. You know why? Because they're with, or they're with Jesus. So these are the people in heaven. They're with Jesus now. They're dead, but they're with Jesus, and they're waiting to wake up. What are they waiting to wake up to? Let's keep reading. So, so he's talking about two classes of people, right? People who are alive now and people who are dead in Christ, right? Our dead uh, Christian brothers and sisters. Keep going. For the Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, so let me uh, give you the imagery. So here's earth, right? Here's heaven. Christ will come back. Right? Christ will descend. 